The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I am your host. I want to thank you for listening with us today. I am very glad that you've joined us, and uh, thank you for being part of the Spirit of Recovery listening community. Thank you for liking the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook. Thank you for posting on that wall, and thank you for uh, your emails and letting me know what's happening for you on your recovery journey. And also thank you for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, your unity community, your other uh, spiritual communities, your family, your friends know about Spirit of Recovery here on Unity Online Radio. And it's wonderful to hear from you and to know that the guests that I bring here are really making a difference to you, that they're touching your heart, they're opening up new ideas for you and being a support for you in your recovery and in your spirituality walk. You know that you can listen to the Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen live via your computer. You can listen uh, via your smart device, uh, smartphone or other device live. You can uh, go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. You can also listen on demand. We've got years worth of great archives, great guests, great topics, just go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery and you will find a wealth of wonderful, inspiring talks and great people, um, great interview guests that you can connect with and learn from and um, have your life deepened with. I want you to know also that if you are uh, in liking what you're hearing here on Spirit of Recovery and also maybe the other great programs that are on unityonlineradio.org, if you would like to, you can make a financial donation to support this nonprofit radio station. You can make a one-time donation or you can make an ongoing donation. Simply text UNITY RADIO 
888-227-2727 from your smartphone and you can uh, give some financial support to this wonderful online radio station. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place and so that if you are a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, if you're a family member or friend that's in your own recovery as a family member or friend, for there are indeed 12-step programs and other means and modalities of recovery for people um, that are family and friends, then uh, whether you're just curious about the process of addiction, I'm glad that you're here. You can. Um, we're glad to have you here. If you have a comment or question for my guest on their topic, you can email in or you can uh, phone in and uh, be part of the conversation if you'd like to. We're, we're very glad you're here and you're really welcome to participate. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor. And in addition to that, I'm a person who has, in my own circle of love and friendship, many people that have the disease of addiction. And 35 years ago this month, those relationships were a catalyst that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And I am very grateful for that because my walk is an integration of unity principles and recovery principles. And that transforms my life and keeps me growing in deeper ways. So I am delighted. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to hear what you're experiencing in your recovery and your spirituality walk. Well, today we've got a great program for you as always. And our topic today is Overeaters Anonymous, 12-Step Recovery from Compulsive Eating. Um, the OA program offers physical, emotional, and spiritual recovery for those who suffer from compulsive eating, and that can show up as many different patterns of food behavior. And uh, within the OA program, the concept of abstinence rather than dieting is the basis of the OA 12-step program. And that program is a set of principles based on the 12 steps patterned after the uh, steps in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a set of principles that promote constructive inner change. OA is open to anybody who has the desire to stop eating compulsively. And my guest today is Jill T., who is a member of Overeaters Anonymous, and she is going to be sharing with us her own personal journey to recovery. You can learn more about the OA program if you go to www.oa.org, and it's a great website. You'll find wonderful information. So again, my guest is Jill T., a member of OA, and she's going to be sharing her personal journey to recovery. So Jill, thanks so much for being my guest today. Well, thank you, Anna. Thanks for inviting me. I sure appreciate it. Great. I'm really glad. I'm really glad you're here, and I know you're going to uh, have a lot to share with us and um, open up some ideas, open up some really uh, inspiration about this process of recovery. So to start off, um, tell us a little bit about the OA program. Like, how I don't know if. if if you know anything about how it got started or not, but just what is it and, and how does it work? Well, our uh, the program got started in Southern California uh, by a woman named Roseanne, Roseanne S. She's our founder. Um, mm-hmm. And what happened was that, that it was in the 
late 50s, and she was a compulsive overeater and struggled with weight issues um, all her life and also with struggled with this uh, the suffering from this disease, which I'll talk more about later. Yeah. Um, and she, at, at about that time, there was uh, the person, the gentleman who started Gamblers Anonymous, Mm-hmm. And they had a friend, she and her husband had a friend, and they took the friend to one of the first GA meetings. And afterwards, she asked the founder of Gamblers Anonymous if he thought that this program might be something that could help uh, with food, with, with compulsive overeating. And the guy said, I don't know why not. And at almost the same time, it was happening, it's like a gestalt thing, it was happening in Luling, Texas, and and uh, with AG, with um, uh, a guy who's a local guy, and he was doing the same thing. And they started their uh, groups and called them Gluttons Anonymous. Huh? If we're in yeah. Texas, was that Luling, Texas? What? I can. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, right. well, it's in central Texas area. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know my geography very well yet, but okay, it's okay. And uh, then and and AG called uh, the AA intergroup in uh, in New York and asked if there was someone else in the country doing this with food and uh, they pointed him to Roseanne and uh, at the first convention they uh, vote there were more Overeaters Anonymous meetings than there were uh, Gluttons Anonymous because it was a bigger area so they made a vote on the name and that's why we're called. OA instead of uh, Glutton's Anonymous, GA. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That would <laughs> be, that'd be a hard term to kind of deal with. That's incredible. What a great yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. So so that was that was how the program got started. And and in the beginning, there wasn't any OA literature. It was, um, they went to open AA meetings and had their own meetings and used the big book and the Whenever the 12 and 12 came out of AA, they used that, and um, and just uh, the program got built up about around that, and then they came out with their own literature, and and now that we we have a um, big thriving fellowship across the world, actually, mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah. Why why um, do you think that the the steps work across? Um, different experiences like i mean gambling you said that the man right. who's founded gamblers anonymous said he thought it would work and the founder of oa roseanne had the idea that this might work what is it that you think why do these steps work across different kinds of behaviors rather than just alcoholism obviously where that where it got started right um well i uh from what I've, the way that I practice this program, uh, I take very seriously the, what it, when it says in the literature that this is a spiritual condition, a spiritual problem. And I, I remember that before I started compulsive overeating, which started when I was very young, I was uh, maybe kindergarten, first grade, or my, some of my first memories. Um, I, I felt very different from everyone else. I felt on the outside. I felt uncomfortable in my own skin. Um, I was already suffering from the disease before I even 
started compulsively overeating. And so, to, you know, just my take on it, just from my experience, is that uh, it's a, a spiritual condition and we all pick up different things to fill that hole inside of us. And with me, it's food. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there are some other things uh, that, that, I use, that, I, that I use compulsively, like um, media, watching too much TV, you know, sleeping too much. You know, there are other things I do to, to try to zone out and try to escape from life. But, but um, food is certainly the, the biggest and the worst and the most destructive. And it started the earliest, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, would you share with us um, some about your personal story about what happened and sure. what what it was like and what changed? Sure. Well, um, what it was like, uh, I can remember uh, my first my first memory that I have was eating eight hot dogs, and I was about five years old, five or six years old. And then I went out on a little merry-go-round on the playground and, and got really sick from it. And I also uh, remember at uh, when we got together with family for Thanksgiving and Christmas, I remember eating more food than anyone in my family. And I was a, I was a very young person, and I had uncles who were, I have uncles that are like 6'4 and 6'6 and really big guys, and my mom was six feet tall. And I ate more than anybody, and I I would eat um, eight plates of food, and then I'd go, uh, and I just didn't want to stop. And I would go uh, get everybody, all the kids together, and we'd go run around the block until I was hungry again and could could come back and eat some more. Mm -hmm. And uh, lots of things like that, and uh, lots of insanity around food. I would... um, I, I would know that something, like for one thing, I'm lactose intolerant, mm-hmm. and I would, uh, if my stomach hurt, um, I would think that the answer to it was to eat a, a large pizza and a dessert pizza and a, a liter Coke, Diet Coke. Um, and then it would it would work because I would zone out and go to sleep, and... Uh, sort of escape life. I mean, that was the whole point. Mm-hmm. Um, so even, if, so, and that to me is the definition of insanity, knowing that something is going to make me sick and not feel good and not be good for me and not being able to stop myself from doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my, I, I don't have, uh, in my early story, I don't have weight as an issue uh, because of my metabolism. But, um, when I hit my 40s, my metabolism changed, and I got up to 215 pounds on 5.9. Um, and since I've been in OA, I've lost 65 of those pounds, and I'm down to a, in my weight range, my normal weight range according to my doctor. Right. Um, right. And, yeah, and what I was, what I was doing was uh, if, if there was, you know, I was, uh, I, I felt like that in order to do my job, um, I work in an office, and in order to get a project done or do a jo- my job, I needed to have uh, some trail mix or some candy, or uh, or and I was drinking diet sodas all day long. I was drinking eight to twelve a day, 
and I was chewing gum all day long, and I would chew gum uh, ten pieces at a time, and and I always had something. I was always ingesting something twenty four seven from the moment I woke up till the moment I laid my head down to go to sleep, <laughs> and um, and then and all of that. I don't know if any of that would have brought the 65 pounds, the fact that I was, you know, eating, the fact that it was making me sick. I don't know if any of that would have brought me to OA and brought me to my knees. What brought me there was the mental suffering because I I reached a point where it wasn't making me comforted. It wasn't, the food wasn't making me feel comfortable. It wasn't making me... uh, even necessarily zone out, it was making me be in this constant state of suffering. And um, and I couldn't stop. And I was beginning to not being able to, I was beginning to not be able to understand what people were saying, which if you work in an office, that's difficult. So uh, my job, I felt like, was getting, yeah, I was barely understanding, barely hanging on. And... Um, and at one point, I was walking, walking to go to the bathroom and about to open the door, and I just felt like I was about to lose my mind. Mm-hmm. And that is what brought me to OA. That was my bottom. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was two and a half years ago, going on three years ago, um, October of 2012. Um, right. Or actually, more than that. Um, and... And so I, I, I just was so, I felt like I was in an um, OA hospital being in our meetings and becoming, you know, starting to use the program and getting immersed in the program. I felt like I was rehab, um, rehabilitating or re, you know, I, I just felt safe. I felt held. And I still feel that. I still have that feeling, but in that whole first year, it felt really strong because I was in free fall. I was in uh, mental illness free fall uh, from this disease. And and so, you know, I got in and then, and I started working the program. And so that's, that's sort of a little bit of my story. There's lots of other things to talk about, but I know we don't have a whole lot of time. Right. No, what we do, well, it's coming up on time for our break. So what we'll do now is we'll, we will take our first break, but then we'll be back and we'll have plenty of time. And, you know, to hear, yeah, like I said, there are a lot of other things to talk about and we'll cover a lot of different facets. But thank you for um, telling us this, Jill. And, you know, one thing is I, and we'll talk about this more when we come back from the break, is sometimes people don't really understand that compulsive eating is a disease. They think, well, oh, it's just a matter of willpower. But it's not, and I know you know that, mm-hmm. and and we'll explore that. Um, we'll explore that some more. But it definitely, definitely is an addictive uh, disease. So it's time for our break, and um, listeners, stay with us. Our topic today is Overeaters Anonymous: Twelve Step Recovery from Compulsive Eating. My guest is Jill T. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Kintsugi is an ancient Japanese art form of fusing broken pottery pieces together by filling the cracks with gold. The resulting piece is not only restored and visually stunning, it also takes on a new life. Whatever has happened in the past, however broken we may feel, we can be whole again by filling our lives with the transformative power of God. Our experiences make us unique. The presence of God makes us whole. As Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Remember, with God, all things are possible. This Mindful Moment is brought to you by Daily Word magazine. Finding time for the positive reminders in Daily Word is easy with the digital edition, perfect for smartphones and readers on the go. Take advantage of our 30-day free trial to the online magazine, plus a daily email with the Word for the Day and the Daily Word app. To sign up for a free 30-day trial, visit unityonlineradio.org slash dailyword. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. And 
Um, our topic today is Overeaters Anonymous, 12-Step Recovery from Compulsive Eating. And uh, my guest is Jill T., who is a member of Overeaters Anonymous, and she is sharing with us her own personal journey to recovery. So we're talking about what um, compulsive eating is, what the OA program, which is a 12-step program based in the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, but adapted to the OA program, how that works, and... Um, Talking about uh, how uh, what compulsive eating is, how it, how uh, one would recognize it, and what this recovery process is about. So, um, we'll be back in just a moment talking uh, with my guest Jill, Jill T. And also, I want you to know if you want to learn more about the OA program, you can go to their website. They've got a fabulous website. It's www.oa.org. It's got lots of great information on it, including where you can find a meeting. So before I get back to my conversation with Jill, I invite you to join me in a brief moment of meditation, the Serenity Minute in which we take a moment to relax, to open our minds and hearts to the presence of our higher power, each of us, as we understand that higher power, and then share a uh, constructive idea, and then take a moment in the quiet. So I invite you to relax, to allow yourself to open up your heart and mind, to let go and let God, and share with me this constructive idea. My life is filled With God's love, I am filled with God's love. My life is filled with God's love. I am filled with God's love. And now we take a moment in the quiet. friends for joining me in the serenity minute and i trust that it was an opportunity to open your mind and heart up to your presence of your higher power and feel that love that's always there within you and around you so now i'm back to my conversation with my guest jill t and we're talking about recovery and overeaters anonymous so jill before the break um you uh were telling us that, you know, you had hit your bottom, that you got into the OA program. Before we talk more about recovery and how it works, tell us a little bit more about, um, because, about what was going on for you, um, before, in your life before, and you, you did, certainly you did share some things. What was going on inside of you? Did you, uh, do what they call yo-yo dieting, or did you, were you concerned or not about your eating patterns? Did other people say things to you or not? Or about what was going on for you inside um, in the years before you got into your recovery? Well, um, the uh, the eating the eating patterns that I had, people almost always commented on how much much I ate, and like I would have um, uh, a whole lot of fat added to my food. I would have spaghetti with like a half, with a quarter to a third a cup of mayonnaise on the side and 
you know, unusual things like that, eating whole pizzas, um, eating all day, although I hid a lot of that. Um, and, you know, people uh, people commented on it and, and wondered if that was the best thing, especially because, you know, my stomach hurt a lot and I was in a lot of distress. And um, so that's what it was like with the food. And, and as far as the my the the spiritual part of the disease I was isolating uh, I wanted nothing more in life the, the thing that I craved was to be in my bed with the covers pulled up over my head uh, watching TV all day watching sleeping um, you know reading books doing anything except living life and I was uh, you know, just totally into that. And it was hard, you know, anything that, that was anything like living life that got in the way of that was just um, uh, frustrating to me, and, and I wished I didn't have to do it. I wish I could just um, lay in bed and just go to sleep. I, I had this feeling that if I could just sleep for two weeks straight, that I would reset my life and everything would be okay. I suffered from anxiety that was like over my head, filled with anxiety all day long, and uh, depression, and and also when I thought about, you know, I was very hard on people, the people that were close to me in my life, and, and I was a big time people pleaser, I didn't want to say anything to rock the boat, and uh, and I would keep, I was very tightly wound. Um, and and very stressed and depressed. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that that was part of the illness. I thought it was just the food. Um, mm-hmm. But I have found that the food is not the problem. It's all those um, mental and emotional things that are going on inside of me. The food just is my way of trying to medicate that. And right. so, you know, so when I got into... OA, uh, the thing that was amazing was uh, that I was, you know, I was so desperate, I was able to start abstaining right away. And, and that's one thing that I'd like to explain about OA is that we're not, and it says this in our preamble, uh, we're not a diet club. Um, what we are, what we do is that we target the foods that we compulsively overeat or our compulsive behaviors around food, and we abstain from doing them, for, from having them. So my first abstinence was no sugar and no flour of any kind, and I have maintained that for um, since uh, October 2012. And there have been other things along the way that I've been very honest with myself and, and my program that I've realized were also things I was compulsive about, and I couldn't let go of them right at the beginning, or either that or I just wasn't aware that I was compulsive. And But over time, it became obvious, and so I've let go of some other things over time. Um, and that is, that is the way that we do OA. And so, you know, people will come into the program, and they'll say, well, I'd like to... Um, I'll just eat a cookie now and then. I know sugar's a problem and cookies are a problem, but in OA, what what we do is we abstain from the foods that we uh, historically or that we binge on. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that's a new and different thing. And, and the way that we look at it is that um, the way that it works is, I mean, if you take an alcoholic and you say, and the alcoholic says, you know, I binge, um, I'm a big wine drinker, so I know that I can drink beer every now and then and it'll be okay. And, of course, it's not. They have to abstain completely from the drink, the food that causes them, their addic- that, that triggers their addiction. And that's the way it is in, in OA, too. We have to abstain completely from the foods and the behaviors that trigger our addiction. Um, mm-hmm. So, that's... Tell us some more about... No, that's that's really interesting and it's important. Um, I'm guessing, I don't know, that people uh, might come to OA because they think, well, you know, I'd like to lose some weight. And... and right. So how is how does that all work? And you said it's not clearly always not a diet club. So how is OA different from quote dieting or um or, or what about weight or when people come in and they say I just want to lose some weight? What how does all this work? Yeah. How does it all work together? Well, um, well, first of all, the only requirement for membership is desire to stop eating compulsively. And so anyone who has that desire is welcome. Um, And so we just look honestly, we're asked to look honestly at what our binge foods are and we're, you know, we're asked to, we we let them go. Our sponsors ask us if we're willing to let them go. Um, And uh, the way that that works is we don't really, weight is important but we don't focus on it. Um, we focus on the the trigger foods that were, you know, that were that trigger us. And what happens is, is a person. In fact, we try to get people's minds off of weight. We ask that typically a sponsor, my sponsor, will ask that you weigh once a month. And so, some people like to weigh every day, or several times a day, or every week. And and that that is. Um, can be a compulsive thing in in and of itself, and and so we you know we kind of let that go. And what happens when you're eating healthy, uh, moderate, nutritious meals, which starts happening whenever you let go of your binge foods, then the the pounds just start coming off. Um, and sometimes people have to add, add an exercise component to that, you know. Um, but depending on their, you know, what they've done or what to their, to their metabolism over the years. Um, but, but the focus is on abstaining. The focus is not on what, what the scale says. Um, and really the focus is on working the program, doing the steps, um, because all that mental, stuff that I was talking about and emotional stuff, if that were still going on, then I would want be wanting to compulsively overeat at every moment of the day. And so what the steps do are fill us with uh, our higher power, our spiritual food, the program, wherever we are in the steps and whatever that means. And what it did for me is it filled me up and I, being filled up with that 
then I don't reach for the donuts and pizzas and all that kind of stuff because uh, I'm not I'm not prone to I'm I'm not suffering because I'm always that there's always suffering that happens before I'm suffering and that's why I want to overeat mm. and wow. and so that's that's what the steps and working the steps and um, being involved in OA and giving back and helping others have mm-hmm. the same thing that you found. That's what that's what the whole program is. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, as you're saying, it's a whole, sounds like a almost a transformational process from a kind of living in a lot of pain to living life on a different basis, on a more more open basis or more connected basis. Right. Yeah, well, working the steps has made me go from a very shy, isolated, uh, stressed out, unhappy person who wants to escape at all times to living the life that I always dreamed and always wished that I had. It's always a fantasy. I didn't know how to get there. But um, I can I can be at work and not be stressed out one bit. Um, I can, which is absolutely amazing because I lived in 110% stress at my job. Caused by me, mostly not by other people, but just caused by my own internal stuff. Um, I can have, I know the meaning of, I know what it means to have friends. Uh, Before this program, I didn't know. I didn't understand what it meant to have friends. Uh, unless there were people that you ate with or, you know, watched movies with. Um, I, I know what it means to be close and loving and caring with my family, um, uh, my extended family. And probably most importantly is I know I'm learning more and more how to be in an intimate, close uh, relationship with my partner. And all of that before was completely out of reach, and it was way more important, really, it was way more important how I could get in that bed and just escape from life and pull up those covers. Mm-hmm. So um, it, the program, I, there's, there's this person that I hear talk that at the end of his talks he always says, thank you for my life. And it, that's how I feel. I mean, thank you for my life. I mean... I can't imagine ever leaving this program. I can't imagine, and, and, and I'm trying to understand and learn more and more every day uh, and grow in it because it has given me a life. I was pretty much like a walking ghost or the walking dead um, from this disease, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. That's really powerful um, because... As you say, when through the steps, through the spiritual awakening that happens, through the making those connections with other people in the program and getting honest. I mean, that as we know, that's a lot, right. a lot about those 12 steps is getting honest with yourself and other people. It sounds like, as you're saying, your life's just opened up. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it did. Mm-hmm. It did. Yeah. I mean, I felt um, disconnected and isolated. And now I feel connected and, and a part of. And, and the, the, the most amazing thing is that I actually feel happy 
I actually feel joy. I never felt that before. I mean, when you have a person like me who's this disease just has their thumb, its thumb right on top of me, grinding me into the earth. I mean, I, I did not have moments of joy. There, it was always tainted by something, something or someone, or well, what does this person think of me? Or well, I didn't do so great at that. Or what's the future hold? Oh my gosh, everything's going to fall apart. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that was on my mind, even when I'm on a vacation, even when I'm in a tropical paradise. I'm not in a tropical paradise in my mind. Mm-hmm. And with, with the steps and with OA in this program, I'm in, I can be like in the worst situation. And I'm in a tropical paradise in my mind. It's like it totally flipped. Wow. You know? uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I really, I owe, I owe it my life. Uh-huh. Well, I'm going to make a, a wild guess here that you've had yes. a spiritual awakening or two or three or four or continuously. Um, how did you, what was your first sense of a, of a spiritual awakening or what did, how did you start, what, what was, what went on for you when you first got NOA or, or whenever, where you started, this transformation started happening or how did it, how did it happen? Well, my first experience was um, I, I was agnostic and Buddhist, um, and so the first, my first higher power was, I didn't understand this at the time, but my first higher power was the group and my sponsor, and the, the spiritual awakening that came with that was letting people in. Because I didn't let anybody in. I didn't let myself in. How did you, know? you let people in? What does that mean? What did you do? Well, I, I would go to meetings, and I would just have this feeling of safety. And I had this feeling that I was being carried by all of these people. Uh, most of them I don't know very well, but I did get, you know, I was getting to know people. And I just feel, felt carried and connected, you know, and mm-hmm. all that was a spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went through a step study that focused on the big book after about a year and a half of um, abstinence. And in that step study, uh, the big book really stresses have finding a higher power. Um, and so I said, you know what, I'm just going to give it a try. And I started just saying prayers, and I started doing the steps and the way it is in the big book. And I said, I'll just give it a try and see what happens. And that's when my life took off because I started feeling, I started having spiritual awakenings um, that, that, you know, it didn't, have, it didn't depend on any person in group. It was just happening just because of working the steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I would have, like, one I had was I was horribly stressed out over something, and and I was just praying, and I had this sense of great abiding peace and calm flow through me. Um, I have lots of uh, understandings of how to intuitively handle things that I didn't understand how to do before. Really, I, the, the promises 
have come true for me. And uh, they're in the big book, and they talk about things like that, about how um, life changed and you get, you get rocketed to a fourth dimension. Fear of economic insecurity will leave you. I mean, I, I used to be, I called myself a spending anorexic. Um, because what do you mean I, by that? Well, because um, I didn't spend too much. I spent too little. Mm-hmm. It was never, I, should, I never wanted to spend a penny on myself or anyone else. I mean, I don't know what the heck I wanted to do with money, but I didn't want to, I, I, wasn't, letting, I wasn't letting money flow, you know, as a resource just flowing through my life. And so that, I had a huge spiritual awakening happen that, you know, this world is, for me, this is how I see it, that higher power is complete and utter abundance, and money is a part of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I don't walk around in fear of money anymore, and I cultivate and work to be generous and have feelings of generosity. And um, that has been a huge, you know, cross that I don't have to bear anymore. And, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just all kinds of things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like you're living in a, almost a whole different world yeah. than, than before. Yeah, it mm-hmm. does. It feels like that. How did you know to go to OA or how... How did you find it? You said, you know, you told us earlier about you hit a bottom and um, felt like you were losing your mind, and you yeah. ended up going. Did had you known about OA before or other things, or um, how did you get there? Yeah, in the um, mid nineties, I had uh, a, a different partner than the partner I have now, and she was. Um, and she was in a 12-step program, mm-hmm. and she was having, uh, she wanted to lose weight and had food issues and was suffering, and uh, we, we went to uh, OA meetings together, and I thought, you know, I'm going to try that too, because um, I know that I get really cranky. I wasn't to the level of suffering yet that I got. Now, those were in my, four, um, my, those were in the 30s, in my 30s. I wasn't to the level of suffering that I had with 20 more years of compulsive overeating in my 50s. Um, so I, I, and I'm just going to try that, and I did, and um, I, I realized that, that my mood would, could be a lot calmer, and, uh, and also I felt better, and I didn't have as many physical problems. And so I just stayed in it just because it was, overall, it was helping my health. Um, and so whenever I hit that bottom and I uh, flash forward to 2012 and I can't quit eating candy and peanuts and drinking sodas uh, all day long and, and, I, and I have that feeling like I'm uh, coming to a point of no return on, my, uh, on mental illness, uh, I open the door and something inside of me just went, ah, there's a way. Mm-hmm. So, so I knew about it from the beginning. In the beginning, it was another twelve-step person who who kind of turned me on to it. Right, right. Yeah. If people, um, l- l- let me ask you this too, because I, it's my understanding that in OA, there mm-hmm. are many different patterns of compulsive eating that people that become OA members might have. Could you share with us that 
not everybody perhaps is a compulsive overeater. Tell us more about that, about who, uh, what kinds of patterns of eating people might have um, that might people might identify with or that right. that you could be in OA around. Well, yeah, that's interesting. That That's really a whole part of the, uh, a good long story, which I don't know most of the parts of, um, because it started out with people who were uh, obesely overweight and wanted to lose weight. That was how OA started. Mm-hmm. But as time went on, um, they began to see that there were people of all different uh, shapes and sizes and conditions uh, that the program worked for. And so they opened they opened the doors and made it for everyone. I mean, I, I don't know if they do it so perfectly or if everyone feels welcome, but we certainly, I know I certainly try to, to make them feel welcome. Uh, because it all boils down to the same thing. I mean, I, I know people... Well, I know when I first started, like I said, in the 90s, in a way, I did not have a weight problem. Mm-hmm. And I had, but I, my health was suffering. And there are people, so there are people like that. And there are people who have, uh, who suffer from anorexia. Uh, there are people who suffer from bulimia. Uh, and there are people who, um, uh, who are, you know, morbidly obese, you know, four, five, six hundred pounds, um, all of those things, I mean, what we're doing with food is different. And, and another thing that's different is that, that people are, their trigger foods can be different. There are some people whose trigger foods are fat. So that's the thing that they have to abstain from or have to monitor. Uh, there are some that um, with all grains and flours, they're flour. Uh, there's some that are, it's just the sugar that's a problem. Uh, there's some that's a combination of the sugar and the flour and the fat. So that would be like donuts and, you know, pastries and things like that. And, you know, everybody's, everybody who walks in that door is unique and different. And so, so what we, what I try to do as a sponsor is, um, is, and as I was sponsored, is find out, you know, what, the compulsion, what food is, is, or food behavior is a compulsion, and that's the thing that we um, try to abstain from and try not to do. So for uh, a purger, uh, someone who uh, binges and purges, they have and that's to... That's bulimia, right? Is that bulimia. accurate? Bulimia, they, they have to stop. Um, their thing is abstaining from throwing up. Mm-hmm. And so that's... A, that you know that may not sound much to to people who don't have that condition, but to people who do, that is huge, huge. You know, that's how they maintain their sanity, just like how I maintained mine with eating all kind of crap all day long. You know, mm-hmm. and with the um, anorexia, then the what we the food behavior to abstain from is restricting. You know, not restricting anymore, but um, eating moderate, healthy meals. And that that is huge, you know. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, in my opinion, we all have the same spiritual disorder. It just has manifested in different ways. It's just like uh, I'm sure in alcoholics, not, you know, like in drug, drug um, NA, Narcotics Anonymous, you know, there are 
people who who have the pot, people who have heroin, people you know, people have the different things, but they're all turning to to this substance to try to comfort themselves or try to make themselves feel okay. And mm-hmm. food is the same way. Right. So it sounds like it's some some more about how a person is relating to food in a way that's painful. That's the real bottom line issue. Is that one way to put yeah. it? Or mm-hmm. yes, yeah, it's the suffering. Mm-hmm. That's that's what brings us to this program. Mm-hmm. So back to your question: people who just want to lose a few pounds. Um, it it you know OA is welcome it welcomes you, um, and you know it might it might work for you. Um, but a lot of what we see are the people who are suffering from their, you know, that's that's what most of the people in the meetings are, are there for. Right. What would you say to people, Jill, that say, oh, you know, um, food, you just push yourself away from the table. You know, it's just about willpower. What would you say to them? Well, uh, I think that that's true for some people, for a normal eater. Mm-hmm. And I think I even think that's true for for someone who might be a heavy eater. Uh, but this is what the big book teaches um, about drinkers. Uh, you can have people who are heavy eaters, but if they have a sufficient reason to uh, cut back on their food and eat healthy, then they do it. Like they, the doctor tells them they need to lose some weight, or they end up with prediabetes, or uh, any one of the hosts of problems that, that spring up, you know. Um, however, if they cannot stop, then willpower is not the, what this program teaches and what it entirely is based on is that we cannot will ourselves to eat healthy and to eat right. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have a power greater than a higher power, uh, do it, work in the steps, work in the program, being involved, you know, in OA, we have to have all of that. Um, and that is what fills up that hole and helps us not turn, helps us abstain from our unhealthy behaviors. Right. And this next thing, I don't know if OA has an opinion about this next thing I'm going to ask you or not, or but but it's certainly like with alcoholism or other drug addiction, I, I believe that a lot of the professional community believes that uh a painful relationship with food also has a physiological basis. And like you're just saying, maybe some people, mm-hmm. maybe they don't have that or to an extent, but I don't know. Do you, how do you see that, that there's something in a metabolism or I don't know how a person assimilates food that can really be it's a physical part of it? I don't know. Right. Yeah, we have um, in our appendix of, of, of one of our books, there there is a, a letter from a doctor who it's like the doctor's opinion in the big mm-hmm. book. And the AA, yeah, and we're and talking about that book, Big Book Alcoholics AA, big Anonymous. Book. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it talks about how we're different, different with food. You know, um, mm-hmm. that like my uh, siblings, the, you know, we were all, grew up in the same family, and we all are fed the same food, and I'm the one eating eight plates of spaghetti. Mm-hmm. I... Am not normal with food, mm-hmm. and for you know, for people who restrict with food, you know, same thing. They grow up with the same family, they and everything, but they're the ones who to make themselves feel okay 
uh, or feel better, they they will restrict their food. And and there's you know they have there at the beginning I think of finding out exactly why or whatever. And OA doesn't really have you know it's like an outside opinion. Mm-hmm. But but we do know one thing, and that is that we're different than people than normal eaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's very important for a person to know when they first come in, because that's the first step. Right. What um, that you're powerless over what over, over food, food, over eating, over food. Mm-hmm. And, the, and then the lives, our lives become unmanageable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I would imagine that takes off some of that. I'm guessing feeling of self blame or personal failure. Is that how's that? Why does that matter so much, that first step? Um, yeah, it does, because um, because the reason that we're all here is because our willpower didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm talking people, all women, men, all across the uh, financial spectrum, all over the world, uh, all different co- types of people, type A, type B personalities, everything. But we all have one thing in common. Our willpower didn't work because if our willpower worked, we'd be a normal eater and we wouldn't need the program. Mm -hmm. And so it's important when we first come in to quit trying to use our willpower. That's to to make it work. Um, We need to let go of that and become higher powered and let higher power do it. Uh, So that first step is, is key Because a lot of times people come in, you know, with the way people think about uh, weight in this country and in the world, I guess. You know, a lot of times people come in and say, hey, I just need to lose some weight. I don't know why I need all this other stuff. Um, You know, but if you can't stop, there is suffering going on. Mm -hmm. And we have to face it. And we have to realize it. And we have to realize that we can't do this. We can't do it alone. We have to turn to the program, we have to turn to higher power, we have to turn to the program and the people in it to help us do it. Right. Yeah. Well, our time is up, but Jill, I want to thank you so much for um, being my guest today, and uh, I very much uh, appreciate your recovery and the work that you put into it and your willingness to really do the work, to be present to it and, and share with us the inspiration that you get from your life transformation because you make the choices to make these connections and, and do the work. So thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, much and you know, thank, thank you for the opportunity and all the good work you do. I mean, this is it's just amazing. I'm so glad that, that you're doing this beautiful thing. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I'm blessed. I am grateful. Yeah. Not quite sure how this happened. <laughs> Open the door, and I am grateful. Yeah, so thank you. And just one more shout out: if anybody um, is looking for this resource, go to www.oa.org, and you'll find information, and you'll find out where there are meetings in your area and all kinds of stuff. So, so again, Jill, thank you for being my guest, and Mm -hmm. listeners, thank you for being here today. And many, many blessings to you. Have a wonderful week. And we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thanks, Anna. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, the Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. Life is hard. And sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.